Welcome to the Patriotic Pulpit. I had planned a show regarding the family, and I have some things I want to say regarding the American family and the breakdown of the American family. But at the last minute here, I wanted to change directions and also change gears and talk about one of those subjects that we've talked about <clears throat> so frequently before, <clears throat> excuse me, and that is Texas education. So I call this the Great Resignation teacher burnout in the state of Texas. Now, I have several articles in front of me, just clips of these articles. One of them is from CNBC.com, which is a 2022 article, November of last year. Another one is from Texas Monthly from March of last year. This would be 3-17-22. And then another one reaches all the way back to 2013, a Texas Tribune article. And I want to take some time and look at that and kind of look at some of the facts of the case. And then what we're going to do is look at really what's happening and what are the causes of what's happening. And then uh, at the very last of it, talk about uh, bringing some other things we've had before regarding an organization in Texas that has really, really spawned a lot of um, mayhem in the class, what I call mayhem in the classroom. So, all right, let's think about the CNBC article of November of last year. Teachers have experienced an alarmingly high rate of anxiety during the COVID-19 pandemic, the article tells us, but even more than even healthcare workers. According to the Educational Researcher, a journal of the American Education Research Association, K-12 teachers report the highest burnout rate of all U.S. professions, with more than four out of every 10 teachers noting that they feel burned out always or very often at work according to a June 22 Gallup poll. That's June 2022. One of the quotes of the article reads this way, many of the predominant challenges that teachers face includes safety concerns, low salaries, funding deficits, and declining mental health, and these are not new issues. Let's go back and pick up the safety concerns. Safety concerns, they have a link to another article which involves School shootings, fights, and sometimes complete, as I call it, mayhem in the classroom, which is why Joe Biden signed a $1 billion funding for schools to create a safe environment. Now, I'm not endorsing that signing of that bill because it's not about putting more money into the classroom. It's not about necessarily hiring more police officers, even though that would help in many different schools. But there's something at the very bottom of all of this that we're going to explore here just a little bit. There's a national teacher shortage. It's not just in the state of Texas, but a national teacher shortage. Plus, another irritating factor or one that is perhaps concerning is probably a better word to put. The enrollment in teacher preparation programs has plummeted. That's according to the CNBC article. Many teachers taking note of the great resignation have found higher, have found higher paying jobs elsewhere. And those that remain in the classroom report feeling exhausted and disillusioned with the role they had once considered to be their dream job. Now I'm here to tell you, having been in the classroom for 22 years, that that is exactly right. That's not only the case around the country nationally, but it's also the case in the state of Texas. It's also the case in North Texas, it's also the case in Wichita Falls, and that is there is a high rate of teacher resignation and teacher burnout. And teachers are being 
they're being tormented in some cases by, it is by huge classrooms that is student bodies that are out of control. There is uh, disorientation within in the school system. There's lack of discipline in the school system. All of these things are taking place. And I've known some teachers coming into the system as elementary teachers, having gone through the university program and having their teaching certificate coming into the classroom, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about it. And within two years, they're out of there or three years. And there are several teachers that I know, you know, punching their tickets, saying, I'm getting out of here. This is, this is not what I expected. So what's happening? Well, let's, before we talk about it more at length, let's go to the Texas Monthly article that I mentioned. Here's the headline of it. Seven Texas teachers on the state of education saying, I'm tired of getting punched. Well, that says it all. After two years of hell, this is the byline of the article, Texas teachers are burned out, angry, tired, and sounding the alarm about public education. All right. So with that in mind, let's go back in time just a little bit. 2013, where some of this began, as well as in the Obama administration, that also began and also picked up steam there. But all the way back to 2013 from the Texas Tribune, an article reads this way. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the article and we'll just stop and talk about some of the points that it makes. So <clears throat> public school students in Texas have chewed gum in class, talked back to teachers or disrupted class, have often received citations from school police officers. But beginning in September, that would be 2013, students who engage in such levels of misbehavior will face discipline in a different manner. Now, the caveat here that I'm going to give you is not discipline in a different manner. It's just the lack of discipline. That's what it amounts to, as we'll see. While school administrators and teachers have traditionally handed or handled student discipline, some school districts in Texas over the years have allowed school police officers to deal with certain types of misbehavior by charging students with Class C misdemeanors, a practice commonly referred to as student ticketing. And we'll talk about some of those Class C misdemeanors in a few moments. Students charged must appear before a county or municipal judge and can face fines of up to $500 if found guilty by a judge. Now, that's the way it has been done in the state of Texas earlier. Students who did not pay their fines could be arrested as soon as they turned 17. Even if the student pays the fines, the offenses could still appear on the criminal records. So the legislature, the Texas legislature, took steps in 2013 to decriminalize misbehavior at school with a Senate bill, number 393, by Senator Royce West, a Democrat in Dallas. The measure prevents school police officers, now get this, it prevents school police officers from issuing citations for misbehavior at school, excluding, of course, traffic violations. Officers can still submit complaints about students, but it will be up to a local prosecutor whether to charge the student with a Class C misdemeanor. So what's happening here? Well, as the article goes on to tell us, Here's the changes. Here's what the changes look like. If students are charged, prosecutors can choose to make students get tutoring, do community service, undergo counseling before they are sent to court, 
According to the Texas Supreme Court, roughly 300,000 students each year are given citations for behavior considered a Class C misdemeanor, including disruption of class, disorderly language, and in-school fighting. And that's the kind of thing that Class C misdemeanor is. So it would include such things as a chewing gum in school, disruption of class, foul language, fighting with another student, talking back to the teacher, failure to follow school rules, reckless damage of school property, all of that, all of those are Class C misdemeanors. So what's happening here is basically the state of Texas is reclassifying things. In in other words, instead of charging students with these Class C misdemeanors and fining them and going before a court, going before a judge and the police officer actually issuing the ticket, they're, they're saying, well, we're going to have them get tutoring and we're going to undergo counseling. So we're just reclassifying everything, disruptive behavior, foul language, ugly talk, uh, angry talk to the teachers, disobedience, blatant, blatant disobedience to the teachers. What's the result of this? Well, I'm, tell, I'm here to tell you that it is disorderly mayhem in the classroom. That's what's going on in Texas public schools. Disorderly mayhem. Now, some parents have applauded the change, saying student discipline should be handled in school, not the courtroom. Well, the question is, this is from the article. That's a statement from the article. The question is now, well, how do we handle it then? How how does a teacher handle these disciplinary problems? Do you know what? Chewing gum in school, we don't even... Teachers don't even look at that anymore. I mean, that's, you know, cell phones. They're not supposed to really have cell phones in school. That's what usually policies are. But you know what? They have them in school anyway. They're texting one another in the classroom. How much learning is going on with that kind of nonsense going on? And what kind of websites are they on anyway when they're on the the phone? Well, you know very well what's happening. Not only so, but we have high schoolers, some of which, we talked about this in the past, in Virginia high schools, some of them in Virginia have up to 80 to 90% of people that are smoking marijuana. I've had students in this area tell me, you know what, we've got, we've got 60 to 70%. Some of them say higher than that in our own schools that are smoking marijuana. What kind of, what kind of conduct do you think is going to take place with that going on? Well, you know what? Non, number one, they say, well, marijuana is blah, blah, blah. And just, uh, you, you know, might, might help them be calm. Number one, they're violating the law. They're violating the law. And they're skirting the law. They're doing it illegally. They're all involved in illegal activity doing that. And that's the kind of thing that's taking place. So now comes the Texas Appleseed Project. We've talked about Texas Appleseed in the past. And I read this article. I was just shocked. I thought, okay, oh, okay, here we go, Texas Appleseed. Let me, uh, we'll go to the background of Texas Appleseed in just a few moments uh, in our second and third segments. Deborah Fowler, who's the executive director, at least in 2013 she was, of Texas Appleseed, she said the law that is no longer going to ticket students and send them to a judge, we're not going to fine their parents for foul language or dis- misbehavior in the classroom, disruption, all those kind of things, damage of school property, we're not going to do that. So the executive director of Texas Appleseed says, well, this is a step in the right direction. Now, listen, ladies and gentlemen, do you see what's happening in the country? Do you see what's actually occurring? 
This is the kind of thing that's taking place, for example, in New York, Los Angeles. Same thing, where the prosecutors are not holding criminals' feet to the fire. They're reclassifying their their law-breaking as misdemeanors, cashless bail inclusive of it, putting them back out on the streets, and it is creating chaos in the streets of Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York City, Chicago, Philadelphia, Seattle, everywhere you go, it's creating chaos. And this is the kind of thing that's going on in public schools today, and Texas Appleseed is behind it by recommending that no longer students should be charged or should no longer receive a ticket from a police officer, but we should handle it in the school. What are we to do in school, by the way? I went to that question. What are we? What is the teacher to do? Tell the kids to stop it? Quit using foul language? I'm telling you that their foul language is out of control. It's out of control in public schools. It's worse than you might even imagine. That's going on right now. And so it's, it's absolute chaos from that. Destruction of school property. <laughs> These kids don't care. They're going home and smoking marijuana. They're doing it before they come to school. What do they care if they destroy someone's property? They're not paying for anything. We pay for the lunches, the breakfasts. We pay for the education. And they don't care. Many of them don't. I'm not saying every student. Well, that's kind of the... That's the primer for our, our program today. So when we come back, we'll talk more about Texas Appleseed, what they've, uh, what they've not only suggested, but has also been implemented in schools in the state of Texas. We'll be back in a minute. Now, Patriotic Pulpit, you can find us on Amazon Music app on your, on your phone uh, on, and you, on your laptop. You can find us there. You can find us on uh, other apps as well. You can find us... Um, also, the articles that are right, News Talk 1290, we have articles written on these topics and many more also, so you can find us there. I have a website, American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. I don't put many articles up on it at this point because most of my articles are right here on News Talk 1290. So the radio show, however, uh, you can get it on an app, and it's Patriotic Pulpit. And also, I'm on Jesse Lee Peterson's show out of Los Angeles California once a month, which is the first or no, the last Tuesday of the month. So you can find it there. Now, more material that I put out is found also on the Iowa Park COC that stands for Church of Christ, iowaparkcoc.org website. I have articles, sermons, many materials that are there. Uh, also, we have an app. Uh, there's an app called Spotify. You can find Patriotic Pulpit on Spotify. So Patriotic Pulpit, the name of the program, Spotify is the app, as well as Amazon Music. You can donate to the program because all of this, of course, airtime costs money, and you can do that on the website, which is American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. Then also the articles that are right, News Talk 1290 website, as well as the iowaparkcoc.org website. Okay, so let's uh, let's continue with this article. This is This is about... Remember, 2013, I think it's in the fall of that year, and it's quoted Deborah Fowler, who's the Texas Appleseed executive director at that time, and she pointed out that, of course, the laws changed, so we're no longer going to ticket students. They're not, no longer going to hold them accountable in that sense. But instead, uh, 
what we're going to do is instead we're going to get get them tutoring, community service, counseling. And so here's the statement she said, made a statement regarding. She said, the law is a step in the right direction. And I say, no, I'd say it's in the wrong direction. It's the opposite direction. The same thing is, and people know, by the way, people vote with their feet. That's exactly what's happening. As I mentioned, as we went to break in California, New York, and other places, it's exactly what's happening. This is the kind of policies that are guiding the, the criminal behavior on the streets and also in the schools. We'll talk about that if we get time to it. This is the kind of policies that's guiding the prosecutions and the DA's offices. And what's happening? Well, people are leaving the state because they cannot handle the, the mayhem and the chaos that is on the street. Well, Deborah Fowler from Texas Appleseed says, well, this is a, gives us a, a chance, the school's a chance to examine why a student was misbehaving in the first place instead and connecting with services that may help them at school. <clears throat> All right, let's stop here for just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand that many children and many adults need help and they need counseling. I understand that. But we are forgetting what education is about and what needs to take place. There is no learning in a classroom until there's respect for authority. If there's not respect for authority and order in a classroom, <clears throat> excuse me, then there's no, there's no learning that's going to take place. Nothing can happen of production if you don't have respect for authority and a little bit of order and discipline in the classroom. So it is not the school's job to go and find out why it is the case that a student is misbehaving. As a teacher in the classroom, I might have, some teachers have up to 30 kids in the classroom and they have people misbehaving. A teacher, that is, that is ridiculous for them to, you to think that, okay, I've got to figure out, I've got a couple students, you might have two or three students per class, per hour, that would be, you might have seven classes in a day and you have two or three students in each class or one student in each class that is misbehaving and is a problem child. What do you, you don't have time to do that kind of stuff. That's not your job anyway. Your job is an educator. Now, <clears throat> this is exactly the same mentality that the that restorative justice is all about. This is what restorative justice is. It's a part of social justice. It's a socialistic program, which means basically that we're not going to punish people for the misbehavior. So what this is how it is implemented, for example, in the state of Pennsylvania, the city of Philadelphia, George Floyd riot period. In George Floyd riots during that period, which was way, way across the country, in Philadelphia, the crowds went absolutely crazy. They began to blow up ATM machines. They robbed stores. They busted out windows. They, they absolutely robbed stores blind. But now, now, these kind of people such as the Deborah Fowlers of the world in Texas Appleseed, they didn't have jurisdiction over there, but this is their program, and this is what happened in Philadelphia. They said, well, we need to get together with restorative justice practices and we need to sit down the, the thieves and the looters and the destroyers of property. We need to get those people and sit down with them, with the store owners, and talk about why 
We, what are the problems, that the oppressions that we feel in a society living in the port side of town and blah, 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 blah. What do you think the store owner said? No, no, I don't, I don't want to sit down with the thugs. I don't want to sit down with the people who'd robbed me blind. They, they busted my doors down. They busted my windows out. They ransacked the building, ran out with the merchandise, never gave it back. And now you want me to sit down and talk with them about why? Uh, why you feel so oppressed? Let me hear you on this. Ladies and gentlemen, if we want law and order, we've got to have law and order, and we can't have. Let's go figure out why they're doing that. I'll tell you what. You won't need to know the whys if you have enough punishment and strict enough punishment where people are punished for what they do, then they'll quit doing it. But that's exactly what's happening under public schools. And that was suggested by this Democrat in Dallas several years ago, and that's exactly what's happening in the Texas public schools. So Texas Appleseed, according to the Texas Tribune article, also recommends that school police officers be given mandatory training on how to safely interact with young people and avoid escalating a confrontation. I take exception to this. I'm not a law enforcement officer. I have some in the family, and I know many good ones. And I tell you what, isn't it a shame that every time that we have thugs and thuggery behavior and disruptive and destructive behavior and people who act like they want to kill you, they all of a sudden we've got to turn around. We got to talk to the police officer and say we got to give them better training. Get a better. Tra- That's ridiculous. I don't. I don't deny that some police officers perhaps have done things that are not right, such as what took place in Memphis, Tennessee, not long ago. But be that as it may, our police officers are are heroes, and they are well trained. It's not about training the police officers. I'll tell you what it's about. It's about training the children in the home. That's where we're lacking. So instead of pointing the finger at the police officer or at the teacher or at the school resource officer and saying they need better training, I say, look at the parents, look at the home. You'll find most of the time there's no dad in the home at all and there's no training whatsoever. That's where the training needs to occur, in the home. So quit pointing the finger at the police officers. Well, all right. Ranted enough on that, but Fowler goes on to say, Texas still has a long way to go to ensure that students exhibit certain levels of misbehavior. Those students are taken off a negative track. Now, that language simply means we don't want them in this school-to-prison pipeline, take them out of the negative track. Well, let me tell you something. There's, there are kids, juveniles, that are committing murder in this country. They're committing assault. They're committing rape. They're committing destruction of property. All these and armed robberies. This is going on on a constant level in our nation, and it's nothing but increasing. And yet, Texas Appleseed says, well, we want to get them out of the negative track. Ladies and gentlemen, they got on the negative track when they got about eight years old and they had no discipline in the home. This is an experiment in socialism, and it is absolutely causing chaos in our nation. Well, some parents and lawyers say the school discipline from Texas Tribune article again is better than in the hands of teachers and school administrators, and that tickets have no place in school. Well, what do you mean? They're coming to school high. What is the teacher to do about it? They come in reeking with marijuana. 
What what do we do? What was the teacher to do about that? How, what do we? Oh, okay, we're gonna. No, no, this is ridiculous. This is this. They're el- they're acting outside the law. Then there's a the article goes on with a couple of anecdotes about a teacher who perhaps mishandled a student, and so they go. The article goes on to insist, uh, you know what? This is just too much for the police officers to do this. Well. And then so some of them go on to say, well, let's, let's keep the police out of school discipline. All right. Let's, if we're going to do that, then we say we start expelling students. Expel them. You know what? You're out. You're out. Why do you think that the private schools in Wichita Falls and in North Texas surrounding areas or the schools in the, in the small communities such as in Holiday, Iowa Park, those places, they're growing. But the schools in the bigger cities are losing students. Why do you think that is the case? Because of this kind of nonsense right here. That's why. Because we don't have the ability to discipline in a classroom. We don't have the ability to do anything at all. And you can't lay hands on anybody because you're going to be sued. So what are we left with? That's right. That's right. Out of control. We'll be back in a moment. All right. I talked a lot about the Texas Appleseed Project, the schools and the state of the schools in, in this country, and especially, particularly in the state of Texas. We call it the Great Resignation, Teacher Burnout in Texas. But now let's uh, just focus for a moment on Texas Appleseed. It involves applying socialism social justice to the classroom and juvenile justice. Now, Texas Appleseed builds itself as an Austin-based public interest justice center to change unjust laws and policies involving juvenile justice. Specifically, the nonprofit organization works to dismantle, they say, unjust laws. And these unjust laws unduly burden historically undeserved Texans. Now, that right there is the catchphrase, what do you think the unduly, unduly burdened, historically undeserved Texas? What do you think? Who do you think they're talking about? Well, they're talking about minority children. Minority children are undeservedly punished, they say, within the school system at a higher rate than white children. Now, that's the assumption that it's undeserved. That's the assumption. Minority children are punished at a higher rate. That is true. No one denies that the case. But the assumption is that it's undeserved. And the reason it's undeserved is because of white prejudice against minorities. Now, that's, that's the assumption they're working on. And they don't believe anybody's going to call their hand on it, as I'm doing here. That's, this is nonsense. You can't show that at all. But at any rate, from a letter that they sent to the Dallas ISD last year, Texas Appleseed wrote this. According to the data from the Texas Education Agency, 6,800 black students and 5,900 Latinx students were suspended out of school from DISD during the 18-19 school year as compared to only 363 white students. Okay, 6,800, 5,900, and then 363. So black students, it is pointed out, represented 22.6% of the DISD population, yet they accounted for 46.7% of -of out-of-school suspensions. So the disparity is obvious. 
No one denies the disparity in the figures. But they say that proves that the educational and juvenile justice systems are systemically racist against minorities. And to enhance this charge, Texas Appleseed freely and frequently invokes the specter of George Floyd's death at the hands of police as if he died because he was black. That is an assumption, again, that is unproven. No one can show the motivation for that at all. It may not have been a just killing, but you can't say it, oh, that's because he was a black man. So let's talk about JDAI for a moment. Texas Appleseed actually reflects what is the Juvenile Detention Alternative Initiative Program, JDAI program. It has been championed for many years by the Annie E. Casey Foundation. As a matter of fact, the Annie E. Casey Foundation is found in Texas Appleseed materials. If you go through the Appleseed website, you'll find the Annie E. Casey Foundation. Well, how about the Annie E. Casey Foundation? Its consultant years ago, and right, I guess his consultant even today, is Bart Lubau. Lubau, who's Bart Lubau? Well, he was a member of the SDS, Students for Democratic Society. It's a communist front organization from the 1960s. Communist. What is communism about? It's about the destruction of America from the bottom and from the top. It is about creating chaos on the streets. That's what it's about. The Students for Democratic Society. The same thing regarding the Southern Poverty Law Center, for example. They've had they've had a, a glowing review and interview with communists such as Bill Ayers on the website for a long time. I don't know if it's right there today, but they had for a long time there. And people were involved with communist organizations. <clears throat> Basically it's a communist front organization, and they, they cause chaos. They they point out patriotic people and say, you know, they're these people are white supremacists. Well, for many years, the NEE Casey Foundation, Bart Lubau, has pushed all of this kind of material. And like other Marxist-oriented agitators, Lubau, through the JDAI program, requires states to work, and this is a direct quote now, to reduce the disproportionate representation of minority juveniles in secured facilities. The problem? Too many minorities are being punished because of white racism. The solution? Revamp the detention and incarceration procedures as well as school suspensions along social justice lines. What is social justice? Social justice is not about justice at all. I know that Barack Obama preached it from every pulpit that he could find, but it's not about justice at all. It is about outcome. Social justice advocates cry continually about the unequal distribution of properties, unequal distribution of monies, unequal distribution of college degrees, and even jail sentences. And school discipline must be meted out on a racial basis. Outcomes is what it's about. That is, we need to have equality of outcome for blacks, whites, Hispanic, Native American, whatever it may be, whatever the percentage of population. But what does this do? This ignores cultural problems in the society. In the minority communities, the cultural problems have skyrocketed, and we see that with out-of-wedlock births. We see that with fatherless homes. The statistics are exceedingly clear. We've talked about them many times before. 
Walter Williams, a great columnist, observed regarding social justice. He says, outcomes of human relationships are often seen as a criteria for the presence or absence of justice or fairness. Outcomes frequently used are frequently used as barometers of justice and fairness, and they are the, these. Race, sex statistics on income, unemployment, income distribution in general, occupational distribution, wealth ownership, and other measures of socioeconomic status. In other words, no attention at all is paid to the underlying reason for differences in cultures in America. And there are reasons. There are reasons why the minority community have many more problems regarding fatherless homes and out-of-wedlock births than the majority community. There's a reason for that. But we don't even want to talk about that. We simply go on to say, well, we've, we've got to have equality of outcome on how many people in juvenile justice program and how many people are going to be punished. This is exactly what Texas Appleseed is all about. And it is a crock. It is absolutely wrong. And it has nothing to do with reality. What's happening in our public schools is a crying shame. But this is the engine that drives a lot of the chaos. We'll be back in a moment. All right, let's continue thinking about some of the things that are promoted by the Texas Appleseed Project and some of the problems that it is creating in communities and particularly in our schools. They assume that a higher discipline rate at school that ex- is experienced by minorities is what they call <clears throat> a, <clears throat> excuse me, a school-to-prison pipeline. And that is to say that we are creating people for prison by suspending them and expelling, which we don't really expel anymore at all, and by disciplining children at school, and the minority children are being getting the brunt of it, so well, that's why they're going to prison. The underlying assumption here is that the schools themselves, by their prejudices against minorities, are helping manufacture the, tomorrow's criminals, and that is completely unfounded. Now, just to substantiate what I just said, I want to read to you a letter from the Texas Appleseed to the Dallas Independent School District, and I want you to draw your own conclusion. Through the use of exclusionary discipline and school policing, thousands of young Texans are pushed into contact with the criminal legal system each academic year from conduct that occurs in their schools. All right, what's the message? What's the message in that? Quit punishing kids, especially minority students, because when they come into contact with the criminal legal system, that causes misbehavior. Now, we don't teach much in schools any longer. At least I haven't seen it. I'm sure there are great teachers who are doing this. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. We don't see much cause and effect being learned even by the President of the United States and the Democrats who are in the Senate and the Democrats who are in the House of Representatives. And so a lot of Republicans, too, they don't have the cause and effect. Like, you know, we're printing billions of dollars in this causing skyrocket inflation. They don't like, okay, we don't, we can't draw the conclusion here uh, as to why inflation is skyrocketing. They don't want to draw the conclusion. That's why they don't want to, they don't want to know the cause of it. Well, and that's exactly what's happening here. They, 
Texas Appleseed is telling you, well, look here. When you come into contact with the police officers or the criminal legal system while you're in school, then that's the cause of misbehavior. Anybody who really thinks about it for just a moment or two knows that reality is far different. Our schools are becoming war zones. Even at the elementary level, at the elementary level, not merely from outside influences, children themselves are becoming violent, more violent than they were yesteryear. You ask teachers to, right now, you ask, you know a teacher, you ask them. You ask and say, are the children and the teenagers becoming more violent than they were yesteryear? 10 years ago, 15 years ago? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going through metal detectors today to make sure kids don't bring guns to school or weapons. And 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was like, oh, okay, you're chewing gum in class. <laughs> you can't have gum in your mouth in this classroom. This is, that's, that's nothing anymore. That's absolutely nothing. Children themselves are becoming more violent. There's complete disdain and disrespect for adult authority. They're disdainful of private property, the personal liberties of others. Illicit sex and out-of-sex or out-of-wedlock births are becoming normal. Normal behavior, you hear this baby daddy talk all the time, like, okay, we're just a bunch of animals running around in a breeding farm. Sexual assault on school property is now an issue around the state of Texas. Drugs are commonplace, even in the halls of learning. Gang activity dominates schoolhouses. Teachers are being assaulted. And bedlam reigns. Teachers are fleeing because they want to survive. Now, Texas Appleseed, I know you take your cues from the Bartlew Bows and the communists and the socialists of the world. It's not a school-to-prison pipeline. It's a fatherless home-to-prison pipeline. It is a cultural misbehavior, and they're bringing street behavior into the schools. And that's what's happening, and that's why many school, many teachers are fleeing. That's why there is the great exodus. Now let's turn attention in the next few moments around the country. Just see what's going on around the country. Chicago Teachers Union complained that restorative justice practices left teachers struggling to control unruly kids. Now at that time, the mayor of Chicago was Rahm Emanuel. He announced that the schools moving away from zero tolerance policy and they would promote, he called, restorative practices. That's what failed communist mayor Bill de Blasio called the holistic approach. Let's go back to counseling and talk with these kids and find out why they hate their teacher. Why do you say you hate your teacher? Why do you want to, why do you want, why did you bring a knife to try to stab your fellow student? Why did you do that? In Syracuse, New York, restorative practices or restorative justice practices have caused this discipline to absolutely collapse. Teachers regularly complain that teens are more apt to fight, mouth off to teachers, roam the halls under a more lenient policy, all of which has put students and staff at risk and make quality instruction impossible. Los Angeles, the on-campus offenses have also spiked under similar policies when they were implemented. Federal orders came down from the Obama administration to reduce suspension of African-Americans. Okay, now what's going to happen? 
Well, people are fleeing Los Angeles, aren't they? Why? Because the crimes are being ignored, including threats against teachers, and they're resigning in droves. You can't hand down a mandate saying stop, stop disciplining or suspending African-Americans or any minority or any white or anybody. You can't say that. In the place of traditional discipline, the Los Angeles Unified School District has a restorative justice counselor. Nearby Orange County, violent, disrespectful student behavior is increasing since restorative practices have been implemented. Santa Ana, California. The same restorative policies have had similar results. Middle school kids now regularly smoke pot in the bathrooms. Some even in class attack the staff, spitting on teachers, pelting them with eggs, even threatening to stab them. Unsurprisingly, 65% of Santa Ana teachers say the restorative programs are not working. Not working. Of course they're not. You could have predicted it, Philadelphia. Let's go to Philadelphia, the other coast. Talking circles have replaced traditional discipline, just like I told you about in Philadelphia after the riots there. Talking circles. Minority students regularly act out their teachers to kick them out of class. The same thing is occurring on the other coast in San Diego. Oakland, California, Portland Public Schools, Washington, D.C. Public Schools, San Francisco Schools, and many others. According to one teacher, Paul Bruno, restorative justice, not only refuses to discipline poor behavior, <clears throat> but, excuse me, but encourages bad behavior. It does so by lavishing attention on students for committing infractions. The so-called talking circles, which replace suspensions, may unwittingly allow already assertive students to leverage their social dominance even further inside the classroom. In light of all of this, most Texans believe that these are the east and left coasts of America and could not occur in the state of Texas. I tell people in Alabama, say, hey, this is what's happening in Texas. They say, surely not in the state of Texas. I say, absolutely. They're dead wrong if they think it's not happening here. It's already happening here. It's already happening all over the state of Texas at the sponsorship of Texas Appleseed. It needs to stop. We need to go back to traditional discipline in classrooms.